So we are on lesson six. Well, I guess I lost, there they are. On lesson six of God's word. Listen, God's word is basic. It's meant to be understood. It's not, it's not mystic. You know, there isn't hidden messages. Uh, um, I have, it, I have it in one of my old Bibles. I was reading one of my old Bibles here last week. Um, and uh, I came upon this piece of paper that has all the numbers for the Hebrew letters in the Hebrew alphabet. Every Hebrew letter in the alphabet corresponds to a number. And, uh, and I had written on the, this piece of paper, it must be 30 years old. I mean, it's worn out. And I have it written on the back of it that uh, we had heard a preacher come through when I first got the Holy Ghost in Austin that said that the uh, Hebrew, uh, the original Hebrew, that uh, uh, the book of Revelations was perhaps written in, because we don't know, the, we don't have the autographs, uh, uh, that you could take the number 666 and you could take somebody's name that was written in Hebrew, and you would be able to, to calculate, you know, who it was because that number represented a person's name in Hebrew. That's what this preacher that came through said. I was young in the Holy Ghost. Oh, well, that's got to be it. You know, that would make so much sense. Well, now, 30 years later, it makes no sense because, <laughs> because God does, isn't mystic like that. He's not mystic. We, I've studied Revelation enough now to understand that that number corresponds to six being the number of man and, and seven being the number of God. And six can never be seven. It's just man repeating himself, just trying to be God. But man will never be God. Uh, only God can be God, obviously. But uh, uh, God's word is simple. It's, it's not hidden. It's not obscure. It's not lost in different Interpretation. So, for example, Acts 2, 37 and 38. Does everyone know that verse? Interesting. Hannah uh, in San Antonio, I probably shared this. Uh, where she works or she's at the grocery store, uh, there's a lot of uh, apostolics there in the South. And uh, she'll see somebody in the grocery store at work and and she, to this day, she'll still, they'll, they'll, she'll, you know, greet them and she'll say, are, are you Acts 238? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's just what defines us, it seems. Are you Acts 238? King James. Now, when they heard this, we all know this, right? They were pricked in their hearts. And they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is King James. That was written in 1611, the authorized version. It still rings true today. Amen. The New International Version, King James is a word-for-word -word translation. New International Version is a thought-for-thought -thought translation, I believe, uh, uh, came about in the last 50 to 100 years. Now, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the 
other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And then Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So you have one version that was written 400 years ago. And a word-for-word -word translation. And you have another one that's a newer translation written in thought-for-thought. Thought, and you haven't lost anything. You haven't lost anything. The New American Standard, which is kind of a go-between. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The point, Scripture is, is pure, it's, it's simple, it's plain, uh, and it's for us today. Many churches will teach that the Scripture was for the first church, and that only the original disciples were to be filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, because that gift was given to God by the first church as a type of scaffolding in order to build the first church. And once the first church was built, there was no more need for the scaffolding, and therefore there is no more need for the gift of the Holy Ghost for speaking in other tongues, nor is there any more need for being healed, or tongues with interpretation, or prophecy, or miracles, or, or the gift of faith, and all these you know, gifts of the Spirit. They're not needed anymore because the first church has been built. Well, uh, you heard me preach to you uh, along this line too many times probably, of course it's still needed. Of course we still need the Holy Ghost. Uh, Peter declared in Acts 2.38 that baptism was for the remission of sins. Then how do I get my sins washed away now if I'm not baptized? Has God's word changed? Is there another way for me to have my sins washed away? I, I don't think so. I think the scriptures is simple. You see, it's not complex. You, 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 you don't have to take it and, and say, well, I think that it may have been for them, but it's not for us. I think it's for us. I don't read where it says it's not for us. Amen. Uh, and therefore, therefore, uh, the Bible's for us. The Bible, it does accommodate, I talked about this a little last week, the human mind. Because God's ways are so above our ways that there are, it is hard to, to visualize God. Uh, and so God has given truths in finite vocabulary and thought patterns so we can understand it. Yet, he doesn't compromise truth. And you all have heard this. God uh, has used in his word of physical and earthly uh, 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 words that generate spiritual truths that we understand so we understand God better. Uh, uh, church, God doesn't have a right hand. He doesn't have one. And Jesus doesn't stand on it or sit on it. It is the glory of God. God's everywhere. But he's given us that terminology so we understand. The scripture makes it clear that the right hand is, is the hand of power. It's the hand of salvation, according to the book of Psalms. So Jesus is the very power of our salvation. Amen. And so we, we understand that God does not have a beating heart. 
He doesn't have eyes that go to and fro. I'm talking about physical eyes or ears. Church, when you pray, God hears you. And so we think of God as having ears, but, but that's not the way it works. And I'm talking about human ears, human eyes, a human right, right hand, uh, wings, the Bible says, God. Uh, 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 he's just given this terminology to us. It doesn't compromise truth, but it helps us understand him. Amen. I, I uh, joked about about the lawyer taking gold to heaven and saying, God, I brought gold, you know, to heaven with me. And, and, and God says, why'd you bring pavement? You know, we've got pavement here all over the place. We, the Bible says the streets of heaven are paved with gold. But, but it helps us understand, you know, how valuable heaven is. But the Bible says it's transparent gold. So it's not even gold in the sense of what we understand gold to be. But he's using a terminology to help us understand the value of heaven. The Bible uh, says that, that, that there's hellfire, uh, but it's not earthly fire. Uh, but it helps us understand that there is a, an outer darkness there that we uh, don't want to be part of. Uh, and, and so God uses his word. He uses truths at times in earthly form so we understand it. It better. He reveals progressively from Old Testament to New Testament. He, there's this progression of truths that go from the physical, the material, to the spiritual. Uh, and so there are physical types in the Old Testament. You've heard it taught. You've heard it preached. The tabernacle in the wilderness. You know, the, you have the labor. Uh, you have the altar of sacrifice. The labor of water. You go into the holies. You have the the uh, 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 table of showbread. You have the altar of incense. You have the you have the uh, uh, menorah. You have the the candlestick. Then you go to the holiest of holies. You have the ark of the covenant. You have the mercy seat above it. You have the the the, the lamb that is sacrificed there on the day of atonement. These are all physical things, but they point to the spiritual. They point to what we are living today, the, where we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. We're baptized. We're washed of a of our sins. We commune with God uh, through the light of God's word, through the light of his spirit. Uh, we, we take the bread of heaven, Jesus Christ. We, we uh, offer up an altar. We offer up incense of praise. Uh, our praise and prayers go before God's nostrils as, uh, as an incense. We go into the holiest of holies. We, uh, Christ is the ark of the covenant. He is, he is the wood covered with gold. He is all of humanity, but he is also uh, all God. And so the, it's the physical that represents the spiritual as we move to the New Testament. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Isaac, you know, uh, Abraham and Isaac, we, we, go, we go yonder to worship. And he's willing to offer his only son as a sacrifice. And, and, and it's a physical that represents the spiritual. The, the Almighty God is willing, amen, to roll himself in flesh and die on a cross to save our lives. It's, 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 it's a physical thing that represents the spiritual. The ark, there, there's only one door in the ark, and, and you better be on it, right? You better be on the ark. Hallelujah. And uh, there's different levels of the ark, amen? Not everyone is at the same level, right? We... Uh, and, and, and the ark uh, does two things. It, it lifts you up above the judgment of God, the water being the judgment of God, uh, killing all the wickedness. And uh, being on the ark 
allows you to be placed safely back on a clean earth, uh, just like baptism does for us. Baptism uh, cleans away uh, uh, the enemy of our soul, our sins, and it makes us new. Amen. It's, it's a physical thing that, that, that represents the spiritual. Jesus is the door. He's the only way. He's the light. He's the life. Amen. We, can, we only can make it through Jesus Christ. And we move up in our levels of responsibility and our levels of, of, uh, uh, of maturity, of discipleship. Amen. As we get on the ark and live for God. I've uh, told this uh, before when I first went into the Pentecostal church. It was very different for me being raised in the denominational world. And, and uh, you know, I walked out in the middle of service because it was so different. And somebody came out and, you know, said to me, you know, I said, wow, this is just so strange. It's just I'm not sure. I don't I don't understand it all. And and, uh, and he used the ark as an example. You know, he said, you know, uh, uh, the ark, there were times it was smelly, it stunk, there was stinky animals on it, uh, but you better be on the ark. <laughs> you know, you may not like it, you may not be happy, you know, the, the, uh, uh, the, the deer may not want to be on the same floor with the, you know, with the tiger, but <laughs> guess what, deer, you, you want to be on the ark. You know, whether you like the tiger or not, you better be on it. And uh, so you had the physical that represented the spiritual. It made sense to me when he said it that way. You may not agree with everything, uh, uh, but it is scriptural. He gave me some scriptures. that This is why we do what we do. It is scriptural. You may not like it. It may not have a, 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 a familiar scent, uh, but it is scriptural, and you do want to be on You do want to be in the ark. Amen. Thank God for, for people who are smart Amen. When I was seeking God that, that were kind and gentle, but were smart and showed me God's word. Amen. The best commentary you can use when you're studying your Bible is your Bible. It's your Bible. We, I, I like, a, I have a, a, a lot of commentaries. I like, I like a Matthew Henry, of course. That's an old one. I like uh, an Adam Clark commentary. I have uh, uh, several other ones, but, but you know, God's word is the best commentary for God's word. Amen. Amen. Study his word because it's clear and there will always be scriptures to help interpret obscure scriptures because scriptures are always unified. They don't contradict each other. Paul said to the second to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 13. This is the third time I am coming to you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Amen. So, so we take the literal meaning, not what we think it means and not what we feel like it should mean to make our lives easier, to, to self-serve our self-centered lives. We, we want to know what does it mean. What does it mean? And, and if it means, uh, my old pastor used to say, if, if, uh, if I'm rubbing you the wrong way, you may need to turn around because I may be rubbing the right way. <laughs> you just may need to turn around. If there's a scripture uh, that, that is rubbing you the wrong way, you may need to be praying about it and asking the Lord, Do I, am I facing the wrong way? Do I need to turn a little? Amen. Matthew 28 and 19 says this. 
Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Now, if you were to just take a penknife and cut that out and not have any other scripture uh, to use as your commentary, if you just took your penknife and said, this is, this is all I need to know about baptism, then, then you could say, well, I'm baptizing the way the scripture says. But we're to rightly divide all the word. We, we are to use God's word as the commentary, as the example. And so this is a great scripture to use when you're, if you want to understand how to study God's word. Uh, so you go to the history, for example, with this scripture, of the people that he told this to and see how they applied this teaching to their lives as the first church. And so we read in Acts 2.38 the first mention of baptism by the first church, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of of Jesus Christ. So we see that the first mention of baptism, uh, they baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Now that was spoken to the Jews. In Acts chapter 8, you have the Samaritans, um, and they come and they preach and they have a revival. Um, and we see in Acts 8 and 16, uh, they called for Peter and John, verse 15, who when they came down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So the Samaritans were baptized in Jesus' name. There was a, he's called a God-fearer. A God-fearer in, in Acts chapter 10, uh, Cornelius is called a God-fearer. So these were these were Gentiles who believed in the God of the Jews. He believed in Jehovah, but because he was a Gentile, he was not allowed to go into the temple and worship in the temple with the Jews. But Gentiles who believed in the God of the Jews are called God-fearers. And so this was a God-fearer. And he prayed, and, and the Lord came to him and said, Go send for Peter. He'll tell you what you should do. In the meantime, Peter's praying. And the Lord tells him, making it simple, the Lord knocks Peter on the side of the head and says, Peter, wake up. This, this gospel is not just for Jews. It's for everyone. Amen. And, and if I'm calling people, don't call them common. Do not call them common if I'm calling them. Amen. Everyone's special. Everyone's special. So 10, Acts 10 and 48, Peter goes and he preaches and he takes... Uh, um, friends with them, and they witness that people get the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Verse 47, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which I receive the Holy Ghost as well as we? In verse 48, and he commanded them, not suggested, he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And then they prayed they, him to tarry certain days. So they were baptized in the name of the Lord. In Acts chapter 19, we have disciples most likely, these were disciples of John the Baptist, or perhaps they were disciples of Christ uh, uh, who had uh, gotten lost in the, in the 
you know, just the crowd and everything and weren't there on the day of Pentecost for one reason or another. It came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said to them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? So they knew about believing, but they hadn't received the Holy Ghost. And they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Uh, the, the Greek interpretation is actually, we, we have not heard so much as whether whether the Holy Ghost has been made available yet. They had heard about the Holy Ghost, but they didn't know if it had been made available yet. And he said to them, unto what then were you baptized? Well, how were you baptized? Unto John's baptism. And then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So when we find that the disciples obeyed the Lord by baptizing only in his name, then how do we interpret the words of Matthew 28 and 19? Well, first, don't ever go by what the majority thinks. Because honestly, when it comes to religion, the majority is almost always wrong. You want to go by what God's word says. So we ask God to illuminate scripture. We, we say, I want it, I'm going to take the scripture literally uh, um, with logic, and we let the scriptures speak for themselves. We study scriptures like Isaiah 9 and 6. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And, uh, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. We study scriptures that say, for example, John the Baptist sees Jesus coming and says, I only baptize with water, but he's baptizing with Holy Ghost and, and power. And so we, we see Jesus saying, my Father and I are one. We see Jesus saying, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you, talking of the Holy Ghost. We see Paul saying, uh, 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 Jesus Christ, the hope of glory in us. Amen. Uh, and so as we study Scripture, we begin to realize um, that when Jesus said to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, he was referring to a name that is in reference to the titles, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. You, this is a study you all have heard. Amen. Uh, you, you don't do it with argumentatively. You don't. Uh, but church, when you rightly divide God's word, you see that the scriptures are unified concerning the name Jesus Christ. The, the Old Testament says that at the name of the Lord, and the word Lord is Jehovah, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. And Paul said to the Philippians that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. Paul was not saying that you are going to bow down twice. He was declaring that Jesus Christ was Lord. Amen to the glory of of the Father. <clears throat> and so in the end, when you study the name of Jesus, you learn, you realize that 
that at his name there is power, there is authority, right? Didn't Peter say, silver and gold have I none, but such as I give thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk? We learn that, that at his name there is so much power and authority, amen, that it becomes clear that, that we are to baptize in his name and that he was talking about himself in a very humble way when he said baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We know that he said you should preach remission of sins in my name, he said, starting in Jerusalem. We know Acts 2.38, Peter said, baptize in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. Church, it is the probably the finest example, amen, of, under, of studying God's word and rightly dividing it that we have as believers in Jesus' name baptism. It is probably the finest example. Amen. Because it is, it is so true. But you can't just take one scripture, cut it out with a penknife, and say, this is all I have to do. Right? You have to rightly divide the word of truth. Amen. Listen, counterfeits, they are epi they're, they're an epidemic in the business world. Amen. Anyone hear of uh, Bitcoin? Is that, am I saying that right, John? The Bitcoin movement. Uh, and the problem with the Bitcoin movement is that uh, uh, you can hack into it. You can hack into the system. You can steal the money because it's all just electronic stuff. You don't actually own a coin. It's all electronic. Uh, and it can be counterfeited in a way is what I'm saying. Um, there are imitations for everything. There's imitations for pills. There's imitation for Levi jeans. Imitation for spark plugs. Aircraft parts. If you change your own oil, you are not going to put in the Walmart special in your car. You're going to put in Quaker State. Going to put in castor oil, you know what I'm saying? Because although that Walmart oil might might be oil, you know better, right? You know better. It's it it's real, but but it's an imitation. There's imitations for brakes, for watches. Uh, there are counterfeits for everything, and the imposters always have two claims: our product is just as good as the real one but it's cheaper. It's not going to cost you as much. And it is difficult. I have to raise my hand. When we were young and, and just starting out as a family, uh, did I buy the, uh, what were they called? The Cooper tires. And if you own Cooper tires, God bless you. But the Cooper tires, you got about 12,000 miles out of them. We had to replace them. They, they were real, but they weren't real if you know what I mean. They were a bargain. Uh, it's the same way, church, with God's word. Uh, you can say, you know, all I have to do is, is accept Jesus, and I'm doing great. And I'm telling you, accepting the Lord is part of our salvation. We better accept that he's Lord. We better. But but it's a, it's a half-truth. It's a you know what I'm saying? It's, it's the Walmart special. 
There is nothing greater that's ever happened in my life than being filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Thank God somebody went beyond accepting and said, hey, get the Holy Ghost. Did it cost me more? Absolutely. It did. Amen. Being a Pentecostal? Yeah. Uh, But church, it doesn't matter. Because nothing is real except the real thing. And I'll tell you, church, Jesus Christ is the real thing. And his word is the real thing. And we love it. So we rightly divide the word. Acts 20 and 27. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. I'm declaring to you all the counsel of God. Paul said to Timothy, his young uh, minister, uh, uh, protege, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We love that scripture. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Some people believe that that the Bible is not relevant to modern Christianity. They assume that it that you just you're just going to have to weed through it. Now you're going to have to divide out the irrelevant portions. And they'll use this scripture. We're rightly dividing out the irrelevant scriptures. But Paul said, I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. I mean, I mean, church, uh, if we're to just take out scriptures that are irrelevant to us, uh, is, is the Holy Ghost irrelevant? Is baptism irrelevant? Is living for God? Is prayer irrelevant? Well, prayer, it's not relevant for us today. Really? I think it's still relevant. Baptism is still relevant. I, preaching? How do we declare? We declare by preaching. Acts 8 and 4. The early church scattered due to persecution went everywhere preaching the word. They also taught. Acts 20 and 20. We find that, that, that Paul went from house to house teaching publicly the word of God. He would go into the synagogues. Either they would receive his word or they wouldn't. And then he would go... Uh, from house to house. Expound, Acts 18, uh, uh, the husband and wife team of Aquila and Priscilla took into their uh, fellowship an eloquent preacher named Apollos. And they expounded unto him the the way of God more perfectly. It means that they declared, they taught, they, they exposed. So they took to him, they took him privately and they taught him deeper truths. Amen. There are times uh, uh, that that uh, not only over the pulpit, but one-on-one. Pastor, I need some prayer. Pastor, I need some help. What do you think about this? I'm, I need some prayer on this situation. I need some help on this. And, and, and we'll, we'll study God's word. We'll pray about it. We'll talk about it. Uh, we'll expound on a more excellent way uh, for God's will. Acts 19, 8 and 9 and uh, uh, talks about Paul disputing with the religious men of his day over doctrine. Now it's rare, uh, 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 it's rare, but church, there are times that you have to just talk about why we believe what we believe. You don't do it argumentatively, you don't do it so you win. It's, it's because you want people uh, to be saved. You want people to have their eyes open to Jesus Christ. Amen. I mentioned it. Last week, there are some religions uh, that are told to not get into debates with 
with uh, apostolics or with certain evangelicals because they're, they're taught uh, that, that apostolics know God's word and, 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 and you won't be able to win a debate with them because they know God's word too well. That's kind of sad because really what they're saying is, you know, is that, that there's religions that know more about their own religion than they know. Because of, because of our Bible knowledge, church, uh, because of our Bible knowledge, uh, we're blessed. But church, you never debate with anger. You, you do it if it's just an absolute necessity. If you're backed into a corner, if, if, uh, if somebody is absolutely questioning everything you believe, uh, you do it with kindness, with reverence. Uh, but you do it because you want people's eyes to be opened to the gospel. And it is a delight, however you do it, whether you preach or teach or do a Bible study or uh, 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 get together as a family and just read the scriptures together around the table. It is such a delight to read God's word, to declare it. Amen. If you have your Bibles, Acts 13, uh, 49 through 52, Acts 13, 49 through 52. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coasts. But they shook off the dusts of their feet against them and came unto Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Uh, church, they were filled with joy in the Holy Ghost because of verse 49. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. It Sharing God's word brings joy. Amen? What a delight. And even persecution couldn't destroy their joy. They're kicked out. Get out of here. Go to the next town. Hallelujah. Why are you praising God? Because we got to share God's word. You know, God gives the increase. We're just planning. God's the one who gives the increase. I wonder what they declared. God's mercy, his grace, his washing. Amen. Don't you love it when somebody testifies and says, man, I know where God brought me from. I am so thankful for his blood. I'm so thankful for his mercy. Man, he's brought me a my Boy, that just lifts you up. In the same testimony, I've been raised in this my whole life, and I want to tell you God's been as good to me when I was three as when I'm 103. He never left me nor forsaken me. I am so glad I've lived. Boy, that lifts you up too. Both whole Two different types of testimonies, but what they are telling you, God's word is true. God's word is real. God's word will get you through. Amen. I love to read about God's salvation and God's love. Don't you love to read about Esther? Don't you love to read about Ruth? Don't you love, I, I'm, I'm church, I'm assuming everyone feels the same way. When you're, read, when you're doing your daily devotions and you get back to the story of David and Goliath, 
And you're going, oh, yeah, I can't wait to read this again. I love this when David, you know, gets those stones in that brook. And I love reading that story. It's almost, and I, church, I still get weepy because you know I'm weepy in an easy way. I still get weepy when I read about Joseph and his brothers. And, and he finally, he's got to leave the room because he's, it, they're my brothers. And they thought they were doing evil, but, but God made it for good. And he reveals himself to his brothers and he's hugging their neck and, Oh, I feel like, oh, these are my friends. I've read about them for so long that it's so good to read about them again. You know, it's so good to hear about Joseph again. Church, I, I, you know, I love that. It's God's word and it speaks to us. Church, if you're anything like I am, when you read that story of David and Goliath or that story of Joseph that you've read a hundred times, you'll still get something new out of it. God will still enlighten something about it. You go, wow, I can't believe God is still doing this. He's still doing it. Hallelujah. Oh, I love his word. I love his word. Amen. One time in the building that I was working in when I met my wife, I was uh, waiting for the bus or something. I can't remember, Sister Bag. And there was a, a Jewish rabbi was waiting for the bus with me. And uh, I had just read about David and Goliath. And I, and I said, you know, Rap, can I ask you a question? And he said, yeah. And, and I said, well, what do you think those five stones represented? Because I had just heard, you know, church, just telling you, I just heard a preacher preach that the five stones represented J-E-S-U-S, represented Jesus. And I mean, it was good preaching, but I walked away and said, yeah, but... David didn't even know English, you know. He, he didn't even know English. How would he have known? And, and what if you speak German? I don't think, you know, Jesus is, uses five. I, anyways, so I asked the rabbi, what do you think those five stones represent? He said, think. I know what they represented, you know. Oh, what? He said, they represented the, the word of God because when, when David picked up those stones, you still only had the original five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. Deuteronomy. And so David was picking up the word of God. Wow, church, I, that's profound. At least I thought it was. Hallelujah. Oh, isn't God good? He's good. Amen. I love his word. I love declaring it. I love telling people how good my God is. I rejoice in it. Amen. Let's stand tonight. Church, I still love repentance. I still love it. I love knowing that God's word tells me that, that if I'll just go to him with a with sincerity, he'll forgive me. He'll restore my soul. That if I'll present my body a living sacrifice to him, He'll renew my soul. He'll renew my spirit. He'll renew my mind. If I don't conform to this world, but transform myself by the renewing of his mind. These are things that, that we learn from God's word. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word here tonight, God. Lord, the no doubt the evangelist, the preacher, the Sunday school teacher, the youth worker, 
get so excited when they have shared your word with somebody and somebody responds to your word. Hallelujah. God, if we don't feel happy anymore, if we don't feel that joy, Lord, maybe it's because we haven't shared the gospel in a while. Maybe, God, it's because we haven't asked you to bring somebody into our lives that we could share this word with. Hallelujah. Lord, put a change into my life to get me in touch with somebody who needs you so I can, so I can make their lives complete in you, Lord. Hallelujah. God, you are a deity worth declaring. Lord, heaven.